The Cannabis Heals Me Podcast, Episode 61. You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me Podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com. Welcome back to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. This is your host, Rachel Kennerly, and we're recording once again from the Storybook Inn Studios. Hope you guys are having a great Monday. And what better way to start your Monday than to listen to the healing story of someone who has discovered the miraculous powers of the cannabis plant. Well, I guess maybe one way that you could start your day better is watching a video of puppies or babies laughing. But after that, listening to the healing story of someone who's discovered cannabis has got to be the best way to start your Monday. If you ever wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats because you're afraid you've missed the latest episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, don't worry. There's a way that you can make sure you never miss an episode, and that's by going out and clicking the subscribe button. No more waking up in cold sweats in the middle of the night because it'll automatically download to your favorite podcast app if you click the subscribe button. And while you're out there subscribing, we would love it if you would give us a rating or a review. That helps boost our ranking in the algorithm. And your podcast app will actually recommend the podcast to other people who've never even heard about our show. So that's a great, easy, free way for you to help us promote the show and get these healing stories out to more people so that more people can learn about the medical properties of the cannabis plant. Another great way to get the word out to new people is to tell them. We ask our listeners to tell three people every week about the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. And I've mentioned in the past that you should tell them in person. Sharing on Facebook is great, but the problem is Facebook and other social media platforms, if you're linking to an outside source, they push those down and people don't necessarily see them. And plus, if you have a lot of friends on Facebook, probably 50% of your friends are not going to see a post that you share on Facebook. So the best way to tell people is to just tell them in person. Say, hey, look, I've been listening to this cool podcast called Cannabis Heals Me. And they talk about the healing powers of the cannabis plant. And then they also talk about cannabis adjacent issues like civil asset forfeiture and jury nullification. I think you'll really enjoy it. You should go check it out. If you're that invested in the podcast, you can follow up by sending them an email or sending them a message on Facebook and say, here's the podcast I was talking about. And you'll be surprised the places that you can share about the podcast. I have been amazed that I've been able to share it at homeschool conventions, at homeschool meetings with my hairdresser. Of course, my hairdresser knew more about cannabis medicine than I ever did. And was on board with cannabis medicine far before I ever jumped on the train. So even if your hairdresser isn't someone who supports cannabis legalization, well, you never know because 65% of the country supports cannabis legalization in one way. So you may be surprised when you talk to your hairdresser she or he, I don't want to be a sexist, may already support cannabis legalization. So I think you'll be surprised at the places that you can share it and at the lack of pushback that you get when you do talk to people about legalizing the plant. And I think cannabis as medicine is a great way to kind of get your foot in the door and talk about the government shouldn't stand between people and medicine. So I think it's a great way to get our foot in the door and talk to people about this plant and then we can tell them later, once they realize all the medical benefits of cannabis, then we can talk to them later about why was cannabis made illegal in the first place and all the lies that have been told about the plant. But cannabis as medicine is a great 
it's a gateway to opening the conversation about cannabis legalization. And that's why we do what we do here, because we don't feel like this plant should be illegal. And the way to reach people is through telling them a story. And so we're storytellers as a result. And on today's podcast, we've got another great story to tell you. We are joined by Jennifer Arrington. She is a wellness specialist, a holistic health counselor, a small business owner, and she's also a medical cannabis patient. She uses cannabis to treat her primary condition of peripheral neuropathy. And we're very pleased to have her on to tell us her story. Jennifer, welcome to the Cannabis Salesman Podcast. We're glad you've agreed to join us today. Well, thank you for asking me to share my story with you. Yes. Now, I have seen you post on LinkedIn about chronic pain and maybe some irritable bowel syndrome or something along those lines, but I don't know specifically what condition you're using cannabis to treat. So if you want to share that, I'd love to hear it. Sure. So I use cannabis to treat multiple conditions, primarily what has been described by doctors as peripheral neuropathy. Um, But as I have been treating myself, I've come to realize that peripheral neuropathy is much more complex than just the fact that your nerves are deteriorating. Um, It's actually your body's call for help. And if you don't respond to that call, that's whenever you end up having incredible consequences uh, that become lifelong. And so I got tired of my body consistently calling for help and not being able to soothe it. So in 2017, I went to Colorado and I spent two weeks legally learning how to medicate myself therapeutically with cannabis. And then I came back to my home state of New Mexico and applied through the medical cannabis program here and became a patient with my privilege to process my own medicine. And it's been um, just an incredible journey ever since. Now, I'm, I have no medical background whatsoever. And I've heard of like diabetic neuropathy. So describe for me what peripheral neuropathy is. Those two are kind of synonymous in the textbook. Neuropathy is a precursor to diabetes. Diabetes is the consequence of not responding to your body's flagging, which is what the neuropathy is. Uh, The reason why neuropathy happens is not because of the sugar so much that your body can't absorb. It's primarily because of triggers that cause inflammation and stress and issues with your nervous system and the sclera, which is the fatty lining that goes over each nerve that is affected when you're not paying attention to those pain triggers that your body is consistently sending to you. This isn't something that's readily understood in Western medicine because they categorize over a thousand different things under the word diabetes. So this is just kind of something that I've learned on my own with experiencing the condition firsthand. And then repairing myself, not totally, but to the point to where my pain isn't at a consistent seven, but very hard for me to get up to a one now, which is amazing. So with the, with your condition before you were, had chronic pain at around a seven. I mean, that's pretty intense for something that is chronic and consistent. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it would get to the point to where if I was eating some of the things that were causing my inflammation triggers, my hips would just lock down. And once I sat down, I couldn't get back up. 
because I was in so much pain. My husband would have to carry me to bed at some point uh, whenever I wasn't still trying to figure out what my problems were. Now that I don't eat those things and I abstain from preservatives and other products that um, I have been able to learn through blood tests that cause my body to have a severe reaction toward them, I don't have pain. Like my body is in a level of homeostasis that is striving towards harmony, which is what all of us want. So these foods that were causing inflammation in your body, are they just specific to your body or are these foods that are normally found as triggers for inflammation in the human body period? That's one of the things that's really interesting is that a lot of things that are marketed towards us as healthy are not necessarily healthy for everybody. Individuals have their own cellular requirements and follow a standard diet or standard recommendation doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to solve a lot of your problems because you are going to have some triggers that are going to cause you to have counteractive symptoms to your quote-unquote healthy lifestyle because you may be intolerant to an herb that you're starting to take and you don't even know it. So being able to identify your fuel individually helps with being able to pinpoint and eliminate triggers and then boost other areas where your body you know, we'll be able to flourish at and then potentially add in something like cannabis, CBD, molecular components of botanicals that will boost longevity, cellular uh, regeneration, and quit consistently blowing your cells out to where you're repairing. That's the definition of aging. And we want to stop that, you know, and CBD does help that, but it's not necessarily the key to health and youthfulness, it's understanding what your body requires in order to maintain that level of homeostasis and harmony. So the cannabis will help, but if you're still eating a ton of crap, it can't overcome all of that. Exactly. And if you're washing your clothes in toxic chemicals and you're brushing your teeth with toxic chemicals and you're dyeing your hair with toxic chemicals and women voluntarily putting over six pounds of toxic chemicals just on their face alone every year, you know, those are directly related to disrupting your endocrine system and your hormones. And your hormones are basically your dictators of, or and that's kind of a sharp word to use, but they're, they're in, there's the control mission of everything. You have your other areas that, you know, like your nervous system and whatnot, but if your hormones are off, nobody's talking to each other and planes are going to like hit in the sky and trucks are going to turn over and things aren't going to be manufactured. And when you look at it as that big of an issue going on in your body cellularly, you understand how much of an environmental crisis you're in. Now, were you incorporating these holistic ways of eating and what you wash your clothes in? Were you incorporating that before you went on this path towards cannabis or did you kind of learn about that as you learned more about the body? Hmm. So I've always been intuitive. So I've kind of instinctually been a natural minded person, but I didn't actually grab the concept and really implement it into my life until around 2008. Um, And that was basically by requirement because I had a child that was born and then developed special needs. So I had to create an environment for him that was a lot more therapeutic than what society was telling me I needed to do for him as an infant. 
And I had consistently used cannabis throughout my life since I was 12 because of a traumatic brain injury that I received when I was seven. And so the cannabis was helping my brain not consistently fall into migraine patterns the way that the traumatic brain injury had started me moving toward. That was one of the reasons why I'd gone to Colorado as well was to get the neurological aspect under control. But I wanted to walk too. Like I was so close to just being in a wheelchair and I couldn't accept that. And so I've, and I how figured old, out how to do these things. Go how ahead. old are you to be looking at being in a wheelchair? You you sound far too young to be wheelchair bound. I'm 35 now. I'll be 36 in September. And I was 33 at the time. And wow. I had been fighting it for about 10 years, trying just to overcome it. And it was quite a battle. Yeah. Um, but within seven months of getting ratios right, I literally have to jump off of a roof to get pain, which of course I'm not going to do, but. (laughs) Well, that's incredible to go from facing being bound to a wheelchair to being where you're at now. Cause I've seen you post videos where you're like out walking and getting after it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's frustrating whenever my body, when I get into a trigger food or um, a trigger preservative, because it stops me in my tracks for three days. Like I go 110 miles an hour and then bam, I just have to quit. And that is aggravating to me because then it feels like the elephants in the jungle book, how they all just kind of accordion up under each other's butts and then you can't get away from the pile, you know? Yeah. That's a great visual. (laughs) Thank you. You said you've used cannabis since you were about 12 for a traumatic brain injury. Did you know at the time you started using cannabis that it was helping the inflammation in your brain as a result of the traumatic brain injury? Or was it just something you thought you were doing for recreation? That's a great question. I didn't realize how profound of an impact it was having on me. I just knew that I was able to push through the headache more effectively. I was able to not have the migraine manifest into an aura to the point to where I was in so much pain that I had to vomit. Um, that's one of the reasons why I was consistent with it. But going and getting cannabis from someone who's purchasing it from a third party member and not knowing the genetics of the cannabis the way that we are able to now, I was probably getting some things that were helping me and then some things that weren't helping me as much. Um, and who knows what the harvesting practices were on that stuff at the time or, you know, anything like that. Um, but working with the products that I use now and using the CBD brand that I use and that I wholesale with, I've kept my migraines at bay since March of 2017. I haven't had one. Wow. So do you use primarily CBD, like the 0.3% THC, or is it a higher level THC? I do have my card through the New Mexico Cannabis Program. And so I do buy THC flour and concentrates and edibles and other products that are recognized legally through the state of New Mexico. And then I do use a brand of CBD that's manufactured in Colorado Springs, Colorado, called Nature, N-A-C-H-E-R. They're a phenomenal brand. They are formulated for effectiveness. That's one of the reasons why I use them is because with joint pain and inflammation, You can use the topical salve that they formulate and literally within three to five minutes, you are able to walk more effectively. You're able to go to sleep. 
The deep tissue, um, 800 milligram is the one that I use personally. If I do have a headache or if I feel like, you know, sometimes my magnesium gets low or I'll be fasting and I won't have kept my insulin levels where they're supposed to be and I'll get a minor headache and I use the 800 deep tissue on my forehead and down my neck and across my shoulders to keep my headaches from getting more aggressive with me. What were your prescriptions like before you found cannabis and really understood how it worked in your body before you kind of devoted that time in 2017? What was your, what were your prescriptions like? I was really hesitant to go on tranquilizers because at the time I had two very young boys. And so that wasn't going, that wasn't, something that was going to work in my lifestyle. So I would use Excedrin migraine. I would use lots of caffeine and I would use smoking cannabis, but I would smoke it through a vaporizer so that I didn't cough as hard so that my headache wouldn't get more aggravated. So I still kind of knew that cannabis was helping, but I mean, again, with the harvesting and whatever the genetics were, you know, maybe I was getting less than 15% THC when I really needed like 30 to 40. What kind of change has there been since now you have your card and you can go to the dispensary and you can say, this is what I need. I need this level of THC and this level of CBD. I mean, that's got to be an amazing thing to be able to do as opposed to just smoking stuff blindly, not having a clue what you've got. Yeah, that's one. I mean, and not saying anything to be negative toward, you know, the dark market because they've really been the ones that have held the ground on keeping this in the light and sharing that, you know, there's more to this than you all just being, you know, hateful or rude about supremacism or whatever it was. Yeah, but they don't have access to laboratory testing like exactly. the legal folks exactly. do. No, and and they're not they're not there to to I mean, although they're wanting to give me a quality product they're not there to sell me something or go in and seek something in the market for me that is tailored to me. They're just there to grab whatever abundance that they're able to get and then sell it at, you know, market price, maybe $5 up or higher or lower, you know, depending on how competitive they're wanting to get. But that's not their, their concern about how it's benefiting me is not at the top of their list. They're more of a recreational style and that's not knocking the rec side either. Their, their intentions are not the same as, like you said, a laboratory or people understanding the genetics or understanding what the difference is between a hydroponic and aeroponic and aquaponic, you know, an amended soil grow, a, uh, you know, a, whatever you're wanting to use a grow box, however you're wanting to do your flowers, that comes into play into whether or not it's going to be acceptable for medical use or therapeutic use. Like I'm one of the, I'm a purist. So my personal view is that if you're selling clinical grade concentrates or cannabis, then your pesticides need to be natural. Your extraction can only be CO2 or, you know, bubble hash, and you should only grow in organic soil that's been amended to the native um, environment that it's at and only out in the sun. Now that's a ridiculously extreme business model, but in my mind, that's the best kind of molecule to consume is one that 
that nature has has formulated for you according to its intentions, not what the scientist or the grower or the artist or whatever you want to label them as has it has market wanted the market to bend toward. Now in New Mexico, are you allowed to grow your own flower or do you have to still get that from a dispensary? You can grow your own flower. We are a phenomenal state for That's anybody awesome. who's wanting to. Yeah. We're number eight in the nation. We are incredibly liberal as far as what our patients can do. We do not have caps on our THC. You can get, uh, what is it, 320 units, which is 320 grams every 90 days. And you can up your limits if you need to. You just have to have your provider write your recommendation to have your units increased. And then the state does it for you, no problem. We have cards. Yeah, we have cards for three years now, not just one year. Um, PPLs are only 30 bucks. Hemp licenses, if you want to grow hemp and not marijuana, that's um, above 3% in its THC content. They're anywhere from six to seven hundred dollars. You can get an entire farm up and running with me as your consultant for anywhere from fifteen to twenty five hundred dollars. Cannabis licenses because we're vertically integrated um, to sell. You have to also grow and harvest your own. So you have to be, you know, incredibly wealthy and have a lot of liquid asset. And just the application fee is a sixty thousand dollar fee. That's not even giving you your application. That's just you applying to the state. For them to review. If you do, if you are awarded the permit, then you have to pay, you know, other fees and whatnot along the way. So hemp is a really good way. There's no caps on acreage. There's no caps on permits under operating licenses, nothing like that. So it's a phenomenal market to get into. New Mexico is, well, we were the first state in the United States to open up a university program to study the benefits of cannabis. We beat California by seven years. Wow. Yeah, we're nuts. Like, we're crazy out here with our weed. (laughs) That's great. And y'all, I mean, as far as the news cycle goes, you really don't hear a lot about the new, uh, the New Mexico cannabis market. No, because we're, we're often forgotten about, you know, we don't really, people don't realize we're here until they're driving to California from Florida (laughs) and they lose and they go through you and they don't realize, you know, that they've passed from Texas to Arizona and they're like, well, where were we before? (laughs) Now with regards to pricing, how does the black market pricing compare to the price that you're going to pay in the dispensary is there a, still a big discrepancy or is that gap coming down a little um here locally prices have remained about consistent with one another the only difference is that the dispensary gives you more options as far as method of delivery when you go to and I can't I I haven't purchased from a from the dark market and since I've gotten my card so I don't know for sure I just know Uh, based on third-party information. Some people are able to get like other things like edible concentrates and stuff like that. And those have a higher markup on them just because of the amount of effort that it goes into getting those available. It's not as hard for the dispensaries because, you know, they have all of those manufacturing processes lined up and situated. Getting things into the dark market, you're having to connect with a few more people and ensure that you're getting things lined up in a little bit more of a unexpected manner. You know, a lot more things can go wrong. Now, as far as qualifying conditions, are there, is there a set list of qualifying conditions in New Mexico? Yes, there's 27 now. They've just added autism and Alzheimer's and sleep apnea. Really? And, mm mm-hmm. 
That's not one that I would have thought of being on the list of qualifying conditions for cannabis. Yeah, it's fascinating the way that they've uh, correlated that, but there is a molecule, CBN, I may be wrong on that, but there is a cannabinoid that is directly responsible for pulmonary uh, regeneration and recovery and just overall homeostasis. And so that's what they're that's what they're adding under the sleep apnea. So if you have a sleep disorders diagnosis with a CPAP and, you know, those things, you can use one of the products that's considered Phoenix Tears is super um, encouraged for people who have sleep apnea at bedtime. Well, that's cool. That's uh, that's the first I've heard of. Not that that means anything, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. I mean, sleep apnea is a huge thing for so many people. It's massive. I have sleep apnea because of a malformation on my thyroid on the right side. So when I relax at bedtime, my esophagus flaps a little, which then prevents me from going into a deep enough sleep to where I'm rested. So I use a CPAP as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm a broken box of, I'm like a dub, I'm like a doll that was thrown in the landfill <laughs> because of how bad I've gone through. You took off all 27 boxes, right? <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. I mean, probably I don't have Alzheimer's. I don't oh, have, there you go. I, <laughs> I don't have, um, I don't have problems with like bulimia. I don't have an eating disorder. I you know there's, there's some that are, I don't have Parkinson's. I don't have a, I don't have herpes. Like I don't have any of those things. Oh, there you go. That's... (laughs) But I have like PTSD. Um, I have chronic pain. I have peripheral neuropathy. And I think everybody has PTSD at some point, to be honest with you. I don't think any of us can go through life and say, oh yeah, everything's been great. And um, I have no coping mechanisms because I think you're lying to yourself at Mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. I think there's probably something in somebody's life somewhere, no matter how wonderful it's been that something in their past that's traumatic for them definitely now you mentioned earlier that you can actually well let me ask you this what is the hemp market like in new mexico how long is that how long have y'all had an active hemp market in new mexico that's a really great question so new mexico kind of shot itself in the foot in july of 2018 because it banned all interstate cbd transactions so dispensaries had to begin manufacturing CBD native to New Mexico. So native plants, native soil, native extraction, native brand, all of that. So for about four and a half months, there was a famine here. People who were wanting the non-psychoactive components, the therapeutic part of um, cannabis, hemp, without the psychoactive aspect were, were begging for people like me. And really that's how... Mm-hmm this new business that I have manifested was I had a lot of patients that were 40s plus being recommended to me by other providers and other people in the community because they weren't able to get access to CBD from other, from dispensaries or any other area, because once they stopped the interstate transactions, the whole entire state stopped. And I was like, screw y'all. I'm not stopping that. You guys are crazy. This stuff is legal. And yes. Yeah, so people are having to get CBD on illegally, like have it shipped in from out of state because of this new right. state and law. Getting crap that was, that wasn't even CBD, which yeah. knocked me back even further with what I was trying to deliver because people were saying, well, CBD doesn't work. Well, the stuff you bought doesn't work. And since you don't have the bottle in front of my face, I can't tell you what it is, 
but my product works. The only reason why I'm standing here talking to you is because my product works. Like I'm a living testament of what CBD can do for people. I mean, that's enough. Like that's enough. Now on the, the hemp side, are you required to be vertically integrated like the cannabis side? No, you can outsource your manufacturing and you can outsource your manufacturing too in the verdict when you're vertically integrated like what you grow has to be manufactured and then what's manufactured has to be then sold by you so it's kind of like it's like a it's not necessarily a complete circle it's almost it's like a 275 degree circle uh with the way that new mexico has worked it and I don't know specifically why they had structured it that way, except for the only thing that I can think is for federal purposes, because if you fail as a dispensary, you can't file bankruptcy. You have to absorb that loss. And so vertically integrating things would cause that company or that entity to then self-implode without any, you know, outside residual damage or anything like that. With the hemp, there's not that much of a clarification on that. From what I understand, you can sell whole flower once you get it up and going as long as you have a business license and a manufacturing permit and you're registered with the state and that's really what my goal is is to start private labeling my own with a partnership with the lab that I'm working at now working with now but it, it'll take me about nine or ten months because you know I'm starting from finding dirt right yeah from ground zero now did mm-hmm. the farm bill that passed in December did that change anything with regards to the state law or are they still banning any out-of-state hemp? It did not change anything with the state law. They still are banning interstate hemp in dispensaries, not in the state of New Mexico, but in okay. dispensaries. Okay. So if you, yeah. So if you're a dispensary, you can't bring in a, a CBD brand from another state. You have to have your hemp extracted, your hemp formulated into an infusion, and then that on your shelf. Me, I don't apply under that because I'm not a dispensary. I'm a health and wellness license, so I can do whatever I want. And they can't tell me anything. And I dare somebody to anyways. I'm a very rebellious person when it comes to (laughs) doing good things. You know, I found that most people involved in cannabis kind of have a, uh, yeah, come and and make me or come and take it type attitude. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, you have to when you're when you're doing something that the federal government considers illegal. You kind of have to have that attitude. If you're worried about everything and following the letter of the law, you're not going to be in this business. That's true. And you also have to navigate with your conscience. You know, you don't want to do things that are going to not give you a long-term return. You don't want the short-term. And that's one of the cool things about the lab that I work with is there's been about five waves of Um, CBD falsities come through and fallacies in the cannabis industry as a whole. And we've ridden every wave and came out on top consistently. So, you know, there's not really anything that's going to knock us off of our platform because we've built it with integrity. We've built it with good character. We've built it with good products and we're not here to steal. We're here to heal. Well, what is the name of your company? So my brand is New Mexico Natural. And when do you guys expect to have product available? I have product available locally, and I can ship. People just have to contact me. I'm having trouble with getting a being able to process payments online, and so that's one of the reasons why I haven't even started with a website, is because I want it to be as easy as possible for clients. And really, I like to talk to clients first before I make any recommendations to them on what to use, just because I don't want you to spend money 
on something and it be too little or too much. I really want to get that sweet spot for you. What was your thought? Because the FDA came out and scolded somebody the other day for making claims about their CBD product. What's kind of your feeling as far as that goes? And then what kind of line do you have to walk when you're recommending a product to someone? Because, you know, you want... I guess, but maybe again, that devil may care attitude comes into play. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I mean, this, the FDA definitely has a whole lot more eyes on a lot more things than what people would assume. So for them, I agree. Don't make claims saying that a molecule will cure something because that's not true. The molecule will do what it's supposed to do independent of anybody's opinion of it, if it's given the opportunity to do so. If you're smoking cigarettes or if you're drinking an abundance of alcohol or if you're consistently eating manufactured food products or you're living, you're drinking things that aren't considered, you know, pure, you're not going to have that benefit that the CBD can give you molecularly at its natural intention. So saying that it can cure something, well, what is cancer? I personally, and this is just my own opinion, I feel it's a man-made disease. I feel like it's something that's consistently ignored in the medical community and it's a nutrient or it's a chemical or it's a chromosomal deficiency that happens with our DNA and then we end up mutating into these things that we eventually get out of control. So can it curb that? Well, research is showing that it's possible and that there have been cases where it has been done, but broad spectrum, that should not be told to everyone. That should not be tailored to individual, like there should be that asterisk, individual results will vary because it's yeah. true. If you buy something and put it in your house, it's not going to work unless you use it. That's why so many of us have gyms in our house and we're still overweight because the gym sitting in the house with us is not going to work our body out for us. We have to use the tool. Right. And that's yeah. really what it is. It's a tool. Yeah. Well, that's a good a good way to look at it. And I agree. I, I think because everybody's body chemistry is so different and what yeah. works for one person isn't going to work for the for the other person because our bodies just react differently. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about cannabis is we have the terpenes. Well, if you're allergic to a peach, chances are that you shouldn't ingest cannabis that has a terpene profile similar to the peach. Because you might get hives, you might get a runny nose, you might have respiratory discomfort, you might get watery eyes. So before you even start trying to do anything that's plant-based, you should first get your blood analyzed to see what your best options and what your best route is going to be. And then after that, it's smooth sailing because your roadmap is already planned out for you. It's literally like the GPS of your your body, doing your blood results and, and getting somebody like me to help you with interpreting them. Now, if folks wanted to find you to get information about your company or about consulting for starting a, a hemp company in New Mexico, what is the best way for them to find you? They can find me on LinkedIn at Jennifer Arrington, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-A-R-I-N-G-T-O-N or on Instagram at totally non-toxic, no spaces. Those are really the two platforms that I work best with. And my email address is totally non-toxic at iCloud.com. I'm not on Facebook. I have a phone number attached to my LinkedIn profile and my email address as well. And 
I'm in New Mexico at North Plains Mall in Clovis. So if you're ever here, come see me. <laughs> All right. Well, I will put links to everything you've mentioned here on the show notes page. And then folks can check that out after the show if they want to get a hold of you. And again, I I appreciate your time today. No worries. Also on YouTube, the Totally Non-Toxic Network, I do radio shows um, every Tuesday locally. And we talk about all types of things that the FCC will allow us to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, so you can watch those you can watch those videos as well and learn about magnesium, uh, botanical tinctures, terpenes, um, that, like a lot of things. This particular blood test that I'm telling you about, which is called ALCAT, it's on there as well. Really trying to get the word out to people that aren't just in my local area. And I genuinely appreciate you um, asking me to be part of this and introducing me to your audience because this is an amazing opportunity. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm, you know, we just want to get more stories out because so that people, we, we've been, been lied to about this plant for 80 years. So we want to get the uh-huh. stories out to people about the healing properties of it and that how we've been cheated out of so much for so long. Such facts. And I think that's one of the reasons why you find such rebellious people pushing for this plant is because we have, we are basically being told that the sky is not blue. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some of us are just not willing to disconnect from that. We're just, we will not allow you to pollute our brain with such pitiful efforts at life. Yep. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's time to say, okay, the emperor has no clothes. Mm-hmm. These lies against the plant are illegitimate and they need to stop. And we're going to come, we're going to come out and we're going to speak truth to it. Yep. And y'all just need to get out of our way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, keep up the good work, Jennifer. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that cannabis is working so well for you to go from looking at possibly being wheelchair bound with two small boys. I, I can't even fathom that to, uh, and yeah. I know, like you said, you know, cannabis is not a cure all, but incorporating it into the other changes that you've made in your life, I'm sure have, have made a, an even bigger impact. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's made a tremendous impact. I mean, you can, my husband would be the first to tell you that it's been just a complete transformation from what we were facing to where we're at now. I'm sure that was pretty scary for him as well. Yeah, because we had four kids then. I had had two children in 15 and 16. And so he was, you know, he was like, I, I didn't, I was like, you're going to bathe all three of us at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it all out in one fell swoop. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, thanks again, Jennifer, for coming on and sharing your story. And I'll give you a heads up when the episode comes out. I'll PM you when it, before it comes out and then probably tag you on the, in the post on uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, not Facebook, but Instagram and LinkedIn. Awesome. And I will add you to my favorites so that I can start listening to your podcast and getting more familiar with your work. And I will share as much of your information as I can as well to my clients. And it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Well, that sounds great, Jennifer. And if you've got anybody that wants to come on and share their story, I'd love to talk to them. Yeah, I have one client in particular. She would love to share her story with you. Um, Let me get some time set up and then I will make arrangements. Oh, that's perfect. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Cool. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Show notes for today's episode can be found over at CannabisHealsMe.com slash 61. We will be back here on Thursday with another cannabis-adjacent educational episode. Until then, you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. Do you have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments.